Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening. And the day is almost over. God of us all, you brought your people home from despair and gave them a land of freedom and plenty. Look in mercy on us, your servants. Deliver us from the prison of selfishness and sin and bring us home to justice and compassion, the realm you promised all the world in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God has gathered us to this place where we hear those stories which show us what the kingdom of God is like. God summons us to this place where we can learn how to serve our God without reservation or hesitation. God will send us from this place to tell others of God's hopes and dreams, to love as God has called us to love. Come, let us worship together. Before we speak, God knows our needs, yet our words open our hearts to God's grace. Let us prepare ourselves for God's healing, as in words and silence, we tell of all that separates us from God and one another. Please join me as we pray. Everlasting God, we must confess how we have not lived as your people, we serve many gods, work, wealth, power, and yet find no hope in them. We hear the cries of the poor and shut the doors of our hearts to them. We ridicule those who expose their hopes and dreams to us. Forgive us, compassion's heart, and heal us of our brokenness. Make us well so that by our healing we may be the hope and love others need in their lives, even as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, brought these gifts to us calling us to be faithful with the grace, peace, and joy entrusted to us. Amen. Now that we have let go of the pain, the bitterness, the anger of our lives, let us be kind, tender-hearted, and gentle towards each other, forgiving as God has forgiven us. Thanks be to God. The peace of Christ be with you and flow through you. So be it. Amen. Friends, our scripture reading comes from the book of Amos, chapter 5, verses 18 to 24. Doomed to those who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or sought refuge in a house, rested a hand against the wall, and was bitten by a snake. Isn't the day of the Lord darkness, not light? 
all dark with no brightness in it. I hate, I reject your festivals. I don't enjoy your joyous assemblies. If you bring me your entirely burnt offerings and gifts of food, I won't be pleased. I won't even look at your offerings of well-fed animals. Take away the noise of your songs. I won't listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you remember what it was like when you were little? What it was like to be let loose in your imagination, play pretend or make believe when you could be anything you wanted? Maybe you loved to play doctor or school or house or Star Wars. Or maybe with dolls and Legos where you created new and elaborate worlds with what was around you. Do you remember how easily that came? How much fun it would be to be lost and play in these new worlds you created? I know some of y'all have young siblings, so maybe this is something you get to watch them do and get to play with them in their elaborate worlds. Well, I do remember with fondness all of those games that I used to love to play, I also distinctly remember losing my imagination. Remember kind of waking up one day and realizing that I was no longer interested in the pretend worlds I had created. No longer really could really fathom them in the same way that I could just a day or two before. Some might say that this is what it might mean to grow up, to leave behind the toys and the games and the make-believe worlds for more responsibilities, for school, for other interests. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that kind of blanket understanding of growing up, but there is something to this expected shift as a society. We get to a point where our imagination is no longer acceptable, at least not in the same way. We learn the ways of the world, how things are and how things are supposed to be, and we leave behind our imagination because it no longer serves us or because it no longer comes as easily, maybe because we have learned how things should be and don't have to exercise that part of us any longer. That and because imagination becomes dangerous toward the status quo. It is better, easier to keep quiet and not upset the order as it is. And as we live into this place of how things should be, we end up becoming numb to the way that things are. It is when we forget how to imagine what could be, a newness, a better, more creative, more liberating, more just, more fun reality that we lose ourselves, lose our humanity at the desire to grow up and keep the status quo. So how do we avoid, escape, tear down this numbness? That, my friends, as we have seen this semester, is the role of our prophets. It is through our prophets, those who proclaim loudly the injustice in the markets, fight for those who are marginalized in the courts, lead marches and protests on the streets of our capital to remind us that just because this is the way things are does not mean that this is the way things should be. They have the audacity to imagine a new and better future and proclaim it toward the dominant oppressive culture and actively work to bring it into all of our awareness so that we too may shake off our numbness and join into the fight as well. 
For the past few weeks, I have invited a new conversation partner, um, maybe a little late in the game, um, into my exegetical vocabulary in the form of Walter Brueggemann's prophetic imagination. His idea being that the task of a prophetic ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. In other words, the task of the prophet is to imagine a world that is better than the present situation. The present situation being one of domination, hurt, and pain toward the alternative world of God, the one of God's intention all along. Prophets were concerned with the most elemental changes in human society, about the groaning, lament, sorrow, and pain of those who are hurting. They elevated it, gave it a platform and a microphone, or a fake one. You get the metaphor. Microphones weren't invented then. Anyways, so that it had to be heard and could not be defeated and quieted by those on the throne. They, and I mean, they, I, I mean Jesus in the gospel somewhere, is the one who says that the prophets are the most hated in their hometowns. And maybe it's because their imagination is dangerous. They are disturbing the status quo, disturbing the way things should be with this dangerous new reality that threatens to tear tyrants from thrones, that threatens to uproot the systems that I benefit from. We don't want our spaces to go through any kind of upheaval. So if we quiet them, run them out of town, we don't have to hear what they have to say, and we can remain ignorant and numb for a little while longer. In the case of the prophet Amos, the people who are numb, the, are the people who are perpetrating the oppression, are the very people of God. Like the prophet Micah we read earlier this semester, we, met, we meet Amos in a similar state. He is not addressing a secular or indifferent people, but a but a people who practiced their public religion with zeal and extravagance, who are not actually living in, as the community of Yahweh because there is a distinct absence of righteousness and justice in their lives and in their actions. This Hebrew word for justice is specifically associated with the courts and refers to the judicial process and its decision by which right order is maintained in social reform especially in the protection of the weak and the poor. And righteousness is the rightness that belongs to those who fulfill the responsibilities which their relationships to others involve. These are what God requires of you, Micah reminds us. Not fancy, empty festivals, not unconscious piety, but justice and righteousness. He brings to our imagination a world where justice rolls, rolls down like floods after winter rains and persists like those few wadis whose streams do not fail in the summer drought, where the present reality has been washed away and brought with it a brand new reality, where God's morality reigns fully. In, this, in, the, part, I'm sorry, in the part of the speech we watched tonight, Dr. King imagines a new reality with Amos's metaphor bringing to life the words of our still-speaking God, bringing into our awareness the numbness that has been, that is, in the current social order. It requires a broad sweep, a broad washing away of an order of oppression, violence, and hatred. It is an imagination of what could be, what should have been, where we will not be satisfied until the old order is completely gone from our reality. It's a speech that I know you know ends with his proclamation of dreams, 
a narrative of dreams that have been unfortunately co-opted into this colorblind consciousness into an appeasement of the marginalized by the dominant culture. And my intention is, is not to use Dr. King in that way, but to remind us about how he invited us to dream and continued to invite us into imagination after his speech, where he dreamt of a world in which we should not be flight fighting a bloody and useless war in Vietnam, of a world that should not and cannot be governed by capitalism, a dream so dangerous that it got him killed. In case it hasn't ever been abundantly clear, Dr. King is and was a prophet, embodied the call of the prophetic imagination of God's intention of righteousness and justice. Joining with the likeness of the prophets we have talked about this semester, with Jeremiah who presses into the pain of God and brought with him the hope that the ache of God could penetrate the numbness of history, with Isaiah who brings newness into their old stories, with Haggai who digs into the promise that the house that has been destroyed can be built into something better for all of God's people, with Ezekiel who participates in bringing new life back into old rotten bones, Amos, too, dares us to usher in an alternative universe built on this righteousness and justice. And he is joined by other voices of the modern era, people like Ida B. Wells, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Nelson Mandela, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Oscar Ramirez, Emma Gonzalez, Greta Turnberg, William Barber II, Alicia Garza, Patrice Coulors, and Opal Tometi, and Stacey Abrams, just to name a very small few. These are people who saw and experienced the harm of the status quo, proclaimed loudly that the hurt, is to be t the hurt are to be taken seriously and that the hurt is not to be accepted as normal and natural, but is an abnormal and unacceptable condition for humanness, and imagined an alternative reality where righteousness and justice reign. While not all of those prophets I named are necessarily religious, they are responding and calling us to respond to what I believe is the faithful, compassionate righteousness and justice of God, one that God calls all of us into. It is a dangerous and sometimes costly calling, but it is a hopeful one, a faithful one, one that we are called to join in together. So friends, let us not fall asleep in the numbness of the social order as it is and as is around us. Let us listen to the voices of those calling us, guiding us to live anew because Dr. King's dream has not yet come to fruition. Let us not be afraid to imagine and bring into being, partnering with God in the alternative reality that can come near because we have work to do, my friends. Amen. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. On their own, the bread and wine are nothing. To become a foretaste and a promise of love made real and a world made whole, they need a story and a blessing and a people who believed. 
It would not have been God's table if they hadn't all gathered around it. The betrayer and the friend, the power-hungry and the justice-seeker, the faithful and the searcher. When Jesus poured the wine and the bread was broken, when everyone could eat, the outcast and the beloved, the arrogant and the gracious, the wrongdoer and the wrongly done too, the table became a foretaste of love made real and of a world made whole. Your company at the table will include the betrayer and the beloved, the wrongdoer and the wrongly done by. It would not be God's table without them. And the promise is that when you are together, when you tell the story and give the blessing, when you break the bread and pour the wine, you will discover a foretaste of love made real, of justice rolling down like waters, and of a world made whole. This table is given to all of us because it is God's table. This is the table for all who are loved, for everyone, and all are welcomed to this table. So come and have your fill. The table is set. Let us feast together. Beloved, the Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Friends, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. And surely he will come again. Beloved, these are the gifts of God for each and every one of us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God of grace, you invite us to your table and welcome us as part of your family. You feed us with your body and satisfy our deepest hunger. We thank you for these gifts. Now send us out into the world by the power of your spirit that we may be your witnesses, sharing the life-giving news of the gospel. Amen. Now go forth from this place with renewed inspiration to do this work of God. Seek God, not evil. Love goodness and establish justice. This is the greatest offering we can make, letting justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Go in peace, my friends, with love for our neighbors. Amen.